Good morning. Welcome to Declare Victory. This is Stacey. Good morning. It's Susie. Hey, good morning, sis. How good are morning. you? Good morning. Good morning, sis. I'm fine. Doing well. How about you? I'm healing just well. Doing fine. Thank you. Good. So glad to hear it. Yes. Enjoy your day. You too. You have a wonderful and blessed day. You too. Oh, hi, Rick. Can't forget him. <laughs> I'll let him know that you said hi. He's in the other room. <laughs> okay, sweetie. Thank okay. you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Okay. Good morning. Welcome to Declare Victory. This is JC. Happy Saturday. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Declare Victory. This is JC. Happy Saturday. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Declare Victory. This is JC. Anyone else join? Good morning, Miss Tony. Good morning. Good Hi, morning. Tony. Happy Saturday. Thank you. Happy Saturday to you, too. Thank you as well. Anyone else? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Declare Victory. This is JC. Happy Saturday. Did anyone else join? Hey, good morning. This is Kedra. Hey, sis Kedra. Happy Saturday to you, sweetie. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyone else? Good morning. Welcome to Declare Victory. This is JC. Good morning, good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to Declare Victory. Good morning. Happy Saturday and welcome to Declare Victory. This is JC. Good morning, JC. It's Andrew. Good morning, Brother Andrew. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. Thank you. Awesome. Anyone else? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, JC. This is Beloved Barb. Happy Saturday. God bless everyone. Oh, amen. Good morning, Beloved Barb. Happy Saturday to you, and God bless you, too. Anyone else? Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Declare Victory. This is JC.
Anyone else? Good morning. Good morning. Happy Saturday and welcome to Declare Victory. Hi, this is Cynthia, the sleepyhead. <laughs> good morning. I know the feeling. <laughs> you made it. That's a good part. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, it's not yet. It's not yet. And like, it's time now. <laughs> well, I'm glad you made it. Happy Saturday to you. Thank you. Happy Saturday. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great one. You too, huh? Good morning. Good morning. It's Lucille. Happy Saturday and blessings to everyone. Good morning, Sister Lucille. Happy Saturday to you as well. Enjoy your day. Thank you. You too. You're welcome. Thank you. Anyone else? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Saturday. It's Monica. Hi, Monica. Happy Saturday and welcome to Declare Victory. Enjoy your day. Thank you, too. Thank you, I will. Anyone else? Good morning, good morning. Good morning, welcome to Declare Victory. This is JC. Anyone else join? Anyone else? Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Declare Victory. Good morning. It's Prosperous Pam. Happy Hi, Saturday. Prosperous Pam. Happy Saturday, sweetheart. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, okay, it's time to get started with the call. Before we move forward, we ask you to mute your line so that we can proceed. Hello again. My name is JC and I am your host. Thank you for joining us here on Declare Victory. We are a prayer call that meets Monday through Saturday, starting at 6 o'clock a.m. Pacific time to edify, empower, encourage, and equip you in your walk with Christ. Please feel free to invite a friend so they can be blessed too. Be sure to continue joining us daily during June, where our new monthly theme is entitled Order. This means that all of our declarations will be focused on us understanding order according to the mind, heart, and will of God. There are no announcements today. The order of the call, prayer and corporate praise, will be brought by Sister Geraldine. Declaration will be brought by Andrew. Then we will go right into closing comments hosted by the Declare. Once again, prayer and corporate praise will be brought by Sister Geraldine. Declaration will be brought by Brother Andrew. Then we will go right into closing comments hosted by the Declare. The scripture for today is 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 4. I urge you, as I did when I was on my way to Macedonia, to remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach any different doctrine and not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies that promote speculations rather than the divine training that is known by faith. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his holy word. At this time, we ask you to put your phones on mute until instructed come, to come off mute 
I now pass the call to the prayer warrior, Sister Geraldine. God bless you all. Good morning, Heavenly Father, on this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, as we invoke the presence of the Lord, as we kneel before you on this morning, God. Lord, we thank you on today. Thank you for spirit and truth on this morning. Father God, as we come this morning in expectation that the word will come to cleanse us, deliver us, to set us free on this morning. Heavenly Father, we submit over to you right now. As those that are here in the Declare Victory Room, thank you for giving us the awesome privilege of partnering with you through prayer on this morning. Please, Father, work in those that are here in the Declare Victory Room, giving us the desires and the power to do what pleases you. Thank you, Father, that as your word go forth by Brother Andrew on this morning, we ask that you engulf your Holy Spirit, that he would plunge in. So on this morning, we are coming into the emptying of everything that would cause us to miss what you have for us today. We come this morning, Heavenly Father, to eat at the table. We come this morning to the feast, Father God. We thank you that we will come to get filled those that are empty, those that are weary, those that are heavy on this morning, God. Someone woke up to news that they weren't really wanting to hear on this morning. God, we thank you on this morning that you are shooting the arrows at every target that would cause us to stumble, that would cause us to not desire to be in your will, your perfect will, God. Your will be done in our lives, oh God. We thank you on this morning. We honor you, Heavenly Father, because you've been so good to us. More than enough, God. You're more than enough on this morning, Father God. There was no prayer request on this morning. But Father God, on this morning, we ask that you look in on those. We're praying for the ones that are sick and afflicted on this morning, sick and shut in. We're praying for those who are in the morning season. God, I'm asking you on this morning to deliver us. Father God, I'm asking that you go into the convalescent hospitals on this morning. Father God, go into the hallways of the hospital rooms. There's many that are sick on today. Someone is laying with fever, someone there, had to go in on for an operation on yesterday. Father God, I'm asking that you would look in on the bereaved, uh, the breathing family, those that are grieving right now. I'm asking that you look in on the Smith family on this morning and the loss of dear brother Eugene on this morning. I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, to go in and to look in 
on the Jones family, the Calhoun family, in the loss of Lamont Bubba Jones on this morning, a young 17-year-old boy fought the good fight of faith, and you decided that there was nothing else the story of his life, the pages of his life. God, I'm asking that you give mother and father strength on this morning. Somebody, somebody right now don't know you in the pardoning of their sin. I'm asking that you look in on the homeless and the hopeless on this morning. Father God, return the backsliders, those that have left the ark of safety on this morning. Those that are in need of salvation never knew you, God, never knew your word. But God, there is a time and a season for everything. Father God, I'm asking that you go in into prisons and to the, uh, those that are incarcerated and behind prison walls on this morning, asking for early release for someone who's just been sitting and waiting. Father God, I'm asking that you look in on our law enforcement teams and Father God, the first responders go in into our judicial systems on this morning. Father God, someone has a court case, but you are a lawyer in the courtroom. Thank you for being Dr. Jesus. Thank you for being our help in the time of storms. Father God, I'm asking that you will continue to bless those who are working on and working in evangelism on this morning, evangelizing in uh, the states, in the, in the overseas areas, Father God. I'm asking that you look in on, our, on some of the churches, looking in on Revival Center Ministry on this morning, New Beginning Ministries, Father God. I'm asking that you look in on Hill of Mercy Church, God. Father, you are amazing. Hallelujah, God. There's no one like you, God. So this morning, I rose to say thank you. Thank you for another opportunity. Thank you for the very breath in our lungs on the day. God, we can't make it without you. We need you more today than we did on yesterday, God. Thank you for those that are in the prayer room on this morning. Someone is kneeling. Someone walked into their prayer room on this morning. Heavy hearted, but God, I thank you that you're emptying us so that we can be filled with your love, filled with your grace, filled with joy on this morning for the joy of the Lord is our strength and the peace of the Lord is our rest. Thank you for rescuing us, God, when we were lost. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for being the lifter of our head on this morning, God. I need you, God. Can't make it without you, God. Father God, we're praying for the young boys and the young girls on this morning, those that have finished and they're off and on their way to college, young life, so much different than when we came up, God. It was okay. We could go and stay with another in the rooms, in the dorms. But Father God, I'm asking that you go into every college dorm on this year, that there won't be no hazen, there won't be any purge party. But on this year, God, it will be a turning of the leaves on this morning. Father God, thank you 
We ask him that you look in on our children and our grandchildren on this morning, God, our sons and our daughters. Father God, I'm asking that you look in on those that are suffering in their marriages right now. Someone's not even speaking to their loved one. Someone has been hurt by the words that were hurled at them, God. But on this morning, you forgave us. And on this morning, God, I'm asking each and every one that is in the room to think about what do you want to say? What is your conversation going to be on this morning where God is concerned? Great is our faithfulness, God. Thank you, Lord, as even we spoke on yesterday and talked about the table. There are two tables. One is on the side of Satan. And on the other side, you stand. And every time we get on your at the table where the feast of the Lord is going on, God, two blessings are coming. Father God, thank you for shifting the winds in the area from the north, south, east, and the west. God, send your people in on this morning. Don't let no one sit on the phone on this morning to just get saturated and soaked, but they will participate. You know everything there is to know about us on this morning. I'm taking time on this morning because you said there is an emptying in the room on this morning. There is deliverance that needs to take place on this morning, oh God. We pray that the word will come and put us back in place. Every area in our body that has been disjointed, God, I'm asking that you line us up, uh, line us up, line up on line and precept upon precept on this morning, God. We can't do it by ourselves, oh God. So as we come in on this morning, here we are, God, willing to be used, oh God. We come in for our work assignment for today. Be a lamp, God, unto our feet and a light unto our path. We come in on this morning, God, if we have aught against anyone on this morning, today is today to get it right. Hallelujah on today, God. I'm shouting victory, victory is mine. I got up this morning, God, tired but ready to go. Young people say we're going to rock on this morning. We're going to cry out this morning, oh God. So I'm asking you declare victory. Come on in into the room. Join in on today where order has been laid. Many have already spoken, God. Chains are being broken on this morning. Come on in into the room, oh God. I'm asking that you look in on Brother Andrew. I'm asking that you look in on Brother Jeff this morning, oh God. I'm asking that you look in on Brother Eric on this morning, God. We're crying out, God. Forgive us, oh God. We're sending any kind of way, knowing and unknowing, God. Even as we lay on our bed, God, what's going on? 
Thank you for that powerful prayer, sister. Thank you for the opening and the greeting and everyone that was involved this morning, everyone that said good morning and everybody that's listening in. My name is Andrew, and it is a privilege and a joy to come before you. Uh, it's always a blessing to be able to speak on the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. It's that two-edged sword. It's that bread of life. It's, it's everything to us. It's, it's an imperial, holy love letter to us and for those that believe on his name. I am before you, but for a short moment this morning. And I'm tasked with talking about the word order. I'm going to take a slightly different look at the word order as it would be a military term where we take direct instruction from someone higher than we about what their will is for what we are doing or what we shall be doing once we do it. Okay, our Father God is sovereign. He, that means basically where the rubber meets the road, he can do what he wants with his. He's bound only by his word. And his word is bound by the power of he who speaks it. There was none higher than our God, none more powerful or more holy than our God. So when he declares, when he instructs, we as his creature have no choice but to do. He's merciful, he's long-suffering, but he's still Father God. With that preamble, let's look at the Lord we serve as he expresses himself in his word as chieftain. Now, a chieftain is different from just a commander-in-chief. A chieftain actually goes out and fights. It's very different because... The running joke is uh, if you're ever in a battle and you run from the enemy, if you run far enough away, you'll be bumping into, you know, colonels and generals because they're always in the back. Usually they're older, and the older men don't fight on the front. But a chieftain goes out before his men or the, the women that are fighting. He leads them into battle. That's very different. And the word expresses that the Lord, our God, is a chieftain. We find that in Genesis 9, verses 12 through 15, where the Lord reads as follows. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. Verse 13, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass, when I bring a cloud over the earth, 
that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Again, that's Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 through 15. Now notice, we know that we know that passage talking about the rainbow, but God is speaking of it as a war bow, one that shoots arrows. Now it's it's never mentioned what type of arrows God has or God wields. It's just mentioned that he put his bow in the cloud. And so he's not going to he's promising through his covenant that he's not going to war against flesh with water anymore. We know by studying the book of Revelation that it's fire the next time. But God is saying that, you know, I made war against all flesh. I'm not going to do it that way anymore. And to, to keep that promise, he lets you know that generation after generation this is a sign that my covenant is with you too. And he's kept his promise. He is as good as his word and his word is eternal. But that's not the only place where we see God discussed as chieftain, where when he gives an order, not only is he going before those who receive the order, but you are in safety if you keep to his order. If you go behind him in his shadow, there is protection. We have to go to Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting at verse 1. And it reads, It came to pass after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Now, remember who Moab and Ammon are. They are the children that Lot had with his daughters when when the angels came and got them and took them away from the uh, momentary destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. They had to get them out before God was going to destroy the cities. Okay? The daughters got Lot drunk, and on two different nights, they coupled with him, and they were afraid that there were not going to be any more children in the earth. They had children to their father. Okay? Now, these two nations were always at war with Israel, okay? And now they had other people in concert to come against Israel, and the king was afraid. Verse 2, then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea, on this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hezazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. 
so war, war is brewing. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now that's a lesson for us in, in, in the short sense that when trouble arises, they went to the source. They went to seek God. They went to the chieftain. But Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not thou God in heaven? Rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the earth? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Now therefore, now, I'm sorry, and now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possessions, which thou hast given us to inherit. Now, earlier, when Jehoshaphat was praying, and he said, when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, okay, he was reciting what Solomon prayed when he dedicated the temple. And so Jehoshaphat is mindful of, but he's not reading this from a script. He's on his knees before the Lord for his nation, and he's saying, remember what you agreed to. We have a covenant with you. We need you now. And we obeyed you. We did not invade these people. And yet here they are with a sword to our throat. We need your help. He says, O oh, our God, will not thou judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. As my mom would say, with the kit and caboodle, they all stood before the Lord because this would affect everyone in the nation. So everybody came before the Lord. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation while they were yet praying. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And further instruction goes, Tomorrow go down against them, 
Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jerul. See, God has already seen the enemy. He knows where they are. And in this prayer meeting, their whereabouts is made known. So nobody needs to go out and endanger themselves. That's safety in the ark. But he goes on to say, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. The word coming back from God repeats what Moses told the people in terms of be still. See the salvation of the Lord. Moses went on to say, for the Egyptians that you see now before you, you will see no more forever. Complete pushing of the enemy. Why? Because our chieftain rides ahead of us. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now here's the clincher. Moving down to verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And here it is. And when he had consulted with the people, this is the king, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And they vanquished the enemy. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. But the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. So basically, because they took the position that the Lord was their God, he was their defender, and they relied on him completely, and they followed the instructions. Because obedience is better than sacrifice, God warred before them. And when they didn't even have to fight. The enemy destroyed themselves. That's the beauty of serving him. Because if we do what he tells us to do, if he orders us to walk the straight and narrow, and we walk the straight and narrow, we don't have to worry about anything, no matter what it looks like. The weapons that they form against us won't prosper. Why? Because we are in his will. How do we know? We've done what he told us. And as the prophet tells us, obedience is better than sacrifice. But again, that's not the only time that God stands as a teacher. Could you put your phone on mute, please? Thank you. We find in Second Samuel chapter 5 that the Philistines 
had heard, and this is a lot has gone on prior to this. Okay, Saul has already been killed and his sons. Uh, David has already left the uh, area that he and his men were living where he was in the Philistine nation. But when the Philistines went out to battle Israel, he would back around them and destroy a Philistine city or an outpost. And then when the army came back, they'd see that there'd be destruction there and they'd wonder how that happened. David is now king in Israel. Okay. When the Philistines heard about this, they came out to seek David. But see, David heard about it again because God gives us warnings if we're in his will. He's going to let us know because he's our protection. And he went down to uh, some of the places that he and his men fought when he was running from Saul. It's called the hold. He also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephraim. David inquired of the Lord. This is verse 19 in 2 Samuel 5. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up. I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. David came to Baal Perizim. I'm sorry, Baal Perizim. David smote them there. And said, the Lord has broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perizim. That's amazing because one of the things that God gave David was favor. David lived with the Philistines. He learned their fighting tactics. And so he could have his men go for the weakness that he spied out and defeat them a lot more efficiently because God was his chieftain. He inquired of the one who would command the battle, who would fight the battle for him to ensure victory in the battle. And the Philistines were completely routed. But we go down to verse 22 and it says, Philistines came up again. They, you know, they weren't going to let that one loss deter them. It says, and when David inquired of the Lord, he said, thou shalt not go up. We're not going to do this the way we did it the last time. But fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. This is one of my favorite passages because God tells him, okay, you're just going to stay there. But when you hear the sound of a going, in the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir them thyself. For therein shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. So he's telling them, okay, now you're in the hold. You're going to ambush them, but don't go out just yet. You wait until you hear the sound of a going. Think of it as a rushing mighty wind. When they see that there is 
a strong wind blowing through the tops of the mulberry trees, get your stuff together and go because the Lord is going before you. And if you come into his shadow, if you follow in his shadow, his shade, he will be exactly where you need to be. And the victory was the Lord's because he has never lost a battle. The Lord not only is chieftain in terms of who he is and the posture he maintains, he's also, by that title, unquestioned in command. Period. There's no second guessing God. And I know that in with grief, with bereavement, you have situations where where you wonder. But the word of God says that that's not the that's not the action to take because God is God. He's not he's not less than that. We we have to watch how we go to him simply because he is sovereign. He is the Lord of heaven. And he doesn't he doesn't use a lot of words. I don't know if I'm saying this uh, as, uh, as simply as I want to, but God is not wordy. There's there's power in every word he mentions. He can just say light, boom, and the whole universe lights up. So he's not going to be really chatty with us. The Holy Spirit doesn't always tell us everything. Sometimes the Holy Spirit waits until a, the particular time because he's always on time with what he's doing because what he's doing involves more than just us. It's the people watching us. It's the people that are coming a generation after us. It's the people that have hurt us. It's the people that are praying for us. Whatever we're going through, they all need to see and hear what is going on with us. So it's never it's never just us. But in Romans chapter 9, verses 13 through 21, God is, is being quoted as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then is it not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy? For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he find fault? For he hath resisted his will. For who hath resisted his will? And Paul goes on to say, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? 
shall the same form say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? That's that's a hard truth to to digest. But that is the the crux of the matter. God is sovereign. We don't always have to understand what he's doing. We don't have to see where his hand is moving. But it's just that if God has ordained it, if God wills it, that's the way it's going to be. He is in total command. And when he orders something, that's the way it is until he ordains that it be changed. Remember in the Gospels when the disciples came upon a man that was that was blind and the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned? Did his parents sin or did he sin? And Jesus said, nobody. You know, that wasn't charged to them as, as, as a function of sin, but that the power of God may be revealed. And another, another place in the Gospels, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says with that theme, so do you think the 15 people who were killed, who died when that tower collapsed in Siloam, do you think that they sin more than other people? It's like, no. That's not how, that's not how that was, was, was worked. But then again, he did tell the man that was let down by his friend through the roof, okay, go and sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. And the man went, he was still praising God, but he had that caution. So our sovereign God will do things that a, a sovereign does. The difference is He's holy. Let's look at Job on that matter. We find early, and this happens early in, in, in the book of Job, but it's displayed or, or the, the reaction to this is dealt with towards the very end of Job. But in Job chapter 3, Job's friends, who he has a, an extended dialogue with, they had heard that he was sick. And so what they did was they all traveled, all four of them, traveled to go see him. And they saw him sitting out afar off. They didn't recognize him because, you know, he was so disfigured from, from, his, uh, from his ailments. And they, when they realized it was him, they wept and they sat with him for seven days without speaking to him. They just sat with him. And initially you're saying like, ooh, okay. That's a really good friend. Sometimes when we're mourning, our mourning is so great that words, words won't capture the sentiment. There's nothing you can tell me about the loss I'm feeling because my loss may not be the equivalent of your loss. 
and to suggest that you know exactly what I'm feeling sometimes may be off-putting. And so a lot of times when you're grieving, people, your, your, your close people, they'll just come and be right by your side. They got your back. They got your rear guard. They're going before you. And, and that can be comforting, but sometimes, sometimes we're just going to hurt. And Job was like this because in one, in one day, he lost everything he had. All the things that made people remark about Job was gone. All of it. And so after that week, the scriptures say, Job opened his mouth and he cursed his day. Now, this is in direct contrast with what David said. David said, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Okay? But Job said, let the day perish wherein I was born. And the night in which it is said, there is a... Could you check your phones to make sure they're on mute, please? Thank you. Let that, let me get back to that. Let the day perish wherein I was born and the night in which it was said, there is a man child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the month. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day who are ready to raise up their mourning. But again, in Psalm 118, 24, David says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Period. How does God respond? This is interesting because usually God speaks in an even tone to the people, even when he when he's chastising them. But the book of Job is a little different. God yells at him for four chapters. God is using stern language when he directs his questions to Job. We go to Job 38. Now, Job cursed his birth in the day that, in the evening where he was fired in chapter 3. But when we get to chapter 38, it says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Let's stop there. That's interesting because the whirlwind was the device that was used to collapse the homes where Job's children were. And so when he lost all his progeny, all his kids, that one day, it was a whirlwind that did it. Okay, but God's coming to him in the whirlwind, and he's going to address him, and he speaks to him directly. 
But he says, who is this that darkens his counsel by words without knowledge? Modern speech, who's talking stupidly around here? He says, gird up thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Okay? You got all this to say? I'm going to ask you. I got some questions for you, and you're going to answer me. The first question is, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Where were you when I made everything? Tell me, you know? And God continues to hammer him. And then Job says, wow, you asked me things too hard to, 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 to respond. And God asks him again. You know, gird up thy loins now like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. And then he goes on to say, Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God? Canst thou thunder with a voice like his? And he continues to hammer him. He asks him about Leviathan. And Joe finally says, you know, I, I can't answer you. Uh, you know, I repent and dust and ashes. And at that point, God goes to Job's friends and says, uh, you better go ask Job to pray for you. Okay, because what you said to Job was wrong. Job's responses were right. But Job just got yelled at for four chapters. And this is God yelling at him. That's not like your neighbor yelling at you. It's not like your earthly father yelling at you. This is this is God. But God told his friends, no, see, your response was wrong. And it seemed like theirs was right. Because what they said about God's nature was true insofar as God's holiness was involved. And yet it wasn't true because Job didn't do anything specific to garner God lifting him up before Satan is, is, is a target. But God stood behind him. We see this again where uh, we're dealing with Jesus during his walk after he was baptized by John. Spirit led him out into the wilderness. While he was out in the wilderness, Satan was there to, to tempt him. Now, Satan didn't wait until the 40th day. Satan, you know, as soon as he got the wilderness, Satan was, was there. But what happened was when you, when you get to the part where Satan takes him to the highest point of the temple, and he says, you know, hey, uh, cast yourself down, for it is written that God would send his angels to bear him up, lest his foot, you know, dash against the stone. He takes him to a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the earth in their glory. And, you know, he's got him in places that could hurt him. It says when he says, uh, get thee behind me, Satan, the next thing happens is, Angels came and ministered to him. So those angels were there. When he took him to the temple, those angels were there. 
nothing was going to happen. But that's one of those facts that get kind of split in there. And most people, mm-hmm. you know, if they notice it, they don't, they don't speak on it. But I, I like that part because that protection was there. The chieftain had his soldiers, you know, right where they needed to be under his watchful eye. Nothing was going to be out of place because God is sovereign. But see, but God is not just sovereign when he commands as a general, he's also sovereign because he's king. His orders must be obeyed because he's king. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, one through, verses 1 through 7, starts off by saying, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Jesus spoke about this when he said that the scribes and the scribes and Pharisees stand in the public places and pray loudly, and they think that they will be heard by their much talking. And he says they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door. And then the God that hears in secret will reward thee openly. Solomon is saying, when you come into the house of God, don't be so quick to proclaim. Okay? Because you don't know that you're doing. He says, for those people that do that, make the sacrifice of fools, you don't even know how wrong you are. Because there are some people that want to hear flowery words on how they conduct the business of the Lord. And Solomon's saying, like, you gotta, you got to watch drinking that Kool-Aid. He says, be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Meaning that there's a certain way you come and present yourself before the Lord. There are certain things that now you can commune with him with all your heart, but it's the intent that matters. Everybody else can just see what you do. God knows why you're doing it. That's the thing. Solomon goes on to say, for God is in heaven and you're upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. What he says Moving down to verse 4, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that you shouldest not vow than that thou shouldst vow and not pay. A lot of times people, when they're pressed, will promise God a lot of stuff. And then when the pressure comes away, they, they back away from all those promises. They back away from keeping the vow that that they made. And God God remembers. So anything that you 
stand in the church proclaiming, okay, you have to back that up with your thoughts, your prayers, and your living. And that's sobering because a lot of times people will say, well, will you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And you, you kind of forget to pray for them. Well, that's, you may see that as minor, but again, the things we do affect so many other people. And if you forget to pray for them, that will, that may hurt them more than you can even realize. Because maybe God had you for that last prayer. Maybe it was going to take 12 people praying for them, and you were number 12. And you didn't, so another person was the 12th person. But there was going to be a huge blessing for all those 12 as ordained by God, but not discussed with you for those people that prayed for this individual because they really needed prayer. There's a lot that's going on above us, around us, and amongst us that we are not aware of. But again, God is our chieftain. God is our commander. Every sergeant doesn't know what the colonel or the captain knows. You just get your orders. They get their orders. You put both companies together, the job gets done. And so we as servants and soldiers need to understand that when God tells us something, we do it exactly as he tells it. Where do we find these commands? We've got a whole book called the Bible with them in it. That's why study is so important because we need to know what God said. We need to know what he requires of us. We need to know what we should not do, what we should avoid. And then as we get stronger in our prayer life, as we get stronger in our study, then it should be easier to navigate this thing called life in his name because now we, we have a better have a better angle on, you know, what what God wants us to do and what he doesn't want us doing anymore. It's simple but it's not easy. That's why we need him so. He goes on to discuss at the, at the temple dedication. Solomon is praying. He says, if thy people go out to battle against their enemy, whithersoever thou shalt send them, and shall pray unto the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house that I have built for thy name, Be their shield and buckler. Go before them and bless them. That's in First Kings chapter eight. Okay, God is God is amazing in that Solomon actually prayed what God was actually doing. That when Daniel, and you'll see this all throughout the Old Testament, when Daniel was in uh, the land under Persian rule after Nebuchadnezzar had already lived and died and the Persians came, the Medo-Persians came over 
and, and, and took over. And Daniel is praying three times a day, and people have a problem with that. And when Daniel hears that they were, you know, cavorting against him, what did he do? He went home at that same time and faced Jerusalem and prayed, which is exactly what they're supposed to do from the temple dedication. And God heard an answer and gave him great favor. So when you move through the, the, the decades and years of the Old Testament and you get to the point where you see these individuals, we don't ever know how many there are, but when they come up to King Herod and say, where is he born the king of the Jews? But we have seen his star and have come to worship him. You're, you're seeing Daniel echoed. And there are, there are, I just covered just a couple uh, instances where God is commanding orders. Uh, our life is one of those things that, you know, God is laying the groundwork. And even when, in our prayer life, if we pray that which is already in his will, we will get what we ask. But there are times when God says no. And no amount of praying is going to change that. Uh, Moses wanted to go to the promised land. God said no. And he said, and pray no more on this matter. Paul's thorn in the flesh. God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. No. He just said no in a nicer way. But, you know, God will, will say no. There's one point, and, and this is with Joshua. Joshua, and I'll close on this. Joshua was fighting in a battle, and Israel was winning, but the odds were the odds were long against them. And Joshua prayed and asked God to extend the day. So God did. And the scriptures tell us that was the only time that God hearkened to the voice of a man. So all those people in the Bible that that prayed for God to move, you know, God's move was already, uh, you know, expected. God had already intended to do that. But when Joshua asked that, God granted it and then put that uh, addendum on, on the end. That was the only time that God hearkened to the voice of a man. Now, that's sobering when we pray because we'll pray for people to be healed. We'll pray for people to get that job. We pray for people to be safe. And our prayers aren't always answered. But we uh, face the verse that all things work to good for them who are called by the Lord. All things work together for good to them. It's amazing. It's beautiful, but again, it's simple, but the walk is not easy. That's why we need him so. So with that in mind, with that in mind, I open things up for 
anyone who got in late and they didn't get a chance to say good morning, now is your time. Good morning. It's Moni. Hey, Moni. Good morning. Good morning, Sister Lisa. Have a happy Saturday. Good morning, Sister Lisa. Happy Saturday. Good morning, it's Beverly. Good morning, Beverly. Good morning, it's Pamela. Good morning, Pamela. Good morning, this is Juanita. Great word. Good morning, Juanita. Thank you. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Brother Andrews, Rochelle. Good morning, Brother. Good morning, Sister Rochelle. God bless you. Good morning, Sister Good morning. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. If there be no one else, are there any questions, any comments? One of the things that, one of the things that we uh, have to look at are uh, contrast between Samson and Joshua in terms of seeing the Lord as as our as a judge in general or the Lord is someone who is still important but sort of like uh less lofty. Samson did amazing things because God blessed him with uh superhuman strength. But he didn't look like he could arm wrestle Goliath. So everybody wondered what made Samson so strong. Uh, Whereas Joshua, on the other hand, was blessed with being able to go out to battle and come back from battle. God told him that uh, no man would be able to stand against him all the days of his life. So... Joshua was always going to win. Samson was always going to be stronger. And yet, when you, if you would look at their obituary, there's a lot more written about Joshua than there is about Samson, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God or serving your superior. Joshua, you know, did amazing things while leading the people. Uh, he, when Moses was around, he actually slept in the door of the tabernacle. Samson judged Israel 20 years. Samson was there to basically get rid of the Philistines. Philistines were around until David did that. So had Samson been more obedient, maybe Samson would have achieved more with the Lord Instead, when you look at the book of Judges, it just says, and Samson judged Israel 20 years. 
He was buried with his fathers. The other thing is you have Jonah. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach repentance. And Jonah was like, no. Not only did Jonah not go, Jonah went in the opposite direction. And then when God whipped a storm up, Jonah went to the extent with, oh, what should you do with me? Throw me overboard. I'd rather die than do God's will. He wants to punish me, let him take my life. I'm not preaching to those people. Okay, so God prepares sea creature and he swallows Jonah, swims to uh, like near Nineveh, and when he vomits him out, he's four days away from Nineveh, Nineveh and he, he's three days away from Nineveh, and he gets there by nightfall because he's in a hurry. And yet he bums out when the sun gets too high and too hot and it hurts him because he had shade and he was relieved when the shade, when the worm killed the plant and the shade was gone, he's distressed again because he's been in stomach juices for three, you know, three days, three nights. His skin is burnt. You know, it'd be like a really bad sunburn. But he ended up that God made him do what he commanded him to do, but he could have done it with a lot less grief and a lot less scarring had he just done the thing initially. And again, that's a lesson for us because obedience is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice only takes care of the sin and not all of it back then. Obedience gives you favor with God and you're traveling under his protection in his will and your kids and your friends and everybody else around you will benefit from that. That's what we have to take from that. Hi, Brother Andrew. It's Moni. Hi, Moni. Hi. You might hear some birds in my background. I'm I'm outside in my backyard enjoying this beautiful day that the Lord has given us. Um, well, thank you for your message. Um, I liked so many things that you said, um, especially where you said, um, well, well, first of all, uh, your message ministered to me because in these um, yesterday and today, I've really been looking out for the Lord and stuff with regards to my job. And so um, you spoke to me today even more um, um, about that because you said if we listen to the Lord and we walk the straight and narrow, we don't have to worry because obedience is better than sacrifice. And then you reminded us that um, basically he fights our battles when we belong to him because the battle's his. And... He goes before us and is always on time. And um, the victory is always his. That's really encouraging to hear that this morning for me. And um, you reminded us that he, he's never lost any battle. So basically what, what I might be going through, because I can only speak for myself, you know, um, even though it looks like I should run um, like Jonah and, and, and anyone else who did, 
um, run in my work situation, run, run. It's the easiest thing to do, run. It's easy to think that God, that there's a mistake somewhere. There has to be some kind of mistake, but that's not how God operates. It really isn't. Because like you said, you know, he, he ordains, he ordains everything, even our steps, you know, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I have a force behind me that I don't have to sit and second guess whatever might be happening in my life. I don't have to second guess it because everything happens for a reason. Can you mute your line? Can everyone check their phone and mute their line? Make sure their, their line's muted, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, in any case, I don't have to second guess anything that might be going on because everything's happening for a reason, but he's going to see me through because I belong to him. And it's just a beautiful reminder to me this morning. And um, you said something, um, you said he is Houston and his soldiers will be there so that nothing is going to be out of place because he's sovereign. He's our king. Nothing's going to be out of place. So if it looks bad and it looks like it was wrong, it was the wrong decision, um, it, it might not be. It might not be. Um, and again, like like you said, um, it's sobering because God remembers everything, right? So yeah. whatever we proclaim, whatever we say, whatever we speak, whatever we pray for, um, I mean, it, it, it's very sobering because you're held accountable. You are held accountable. And so yes. a lot of things you said today for me, I mean, it, you just woke me up this morning. And at the same time, you brought a comfort to me knowing that I belong to him and it's okay if it doesn't look like, you know, like peaches and cream and rainbows and unicorns. Something might be happening for a reason, and I got I to gotta just trust God that I'm the right person for the job, no matter what it would mm-hmm. be, whether it's at my work or whether it's to pray for somebody. I am the right person for it, and I need to be brave and be obedient, like you said, because obedience is better than sacrifice. So that's what I got out of your message this morning, and I just want to thank you. I love you, Brother Andrew. I really, really do, and I just wish there was more time in the day so that I could learn from you more because you are a good teacher and so your mother was awesome a teacher too i know that um mm-hmm. what you say about so god bless you and god pour back into you this morning thank you sister Moni. i love you too uh and, and and i'm so glad that that uh declaration was helpful i mean like we 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 are all in that same boat because you know it 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 it, it hurts to go through things that are hurtful, you know, uh, it seems that, you know, other people can just go to work and work is really jolly and, you know, things go smoothly every day. You get to leave on time. There's no stress. It, if you do have a stressful day, nine, ten people drop what they're doing to help get you squared away. And it's not like that for a lot of us, you know, work is, is, uh, sort of like triage and that like, well, you know, there's going to be a lot of blood today. Let's just stop the worst bleeds, but you still go home messy. And uh, the thing is a lot of times you're there, not for you. You're there for somebody else. 
to mm-hmm. see how you navigate. And <clears throat> because because you do know how people are out they see now see she's like she's like big Christian. Let's just see how it you know, did you hear what she said at the coffee? Oh, she said that? Yeah. You know, and and Nathan told David, Okay, yeah, okay. God's already forgiven you. You're not going to die. But you have, you know, you have given the enemies of the Lord great occasion to blaspheme. Okay, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's bad, it's bad enough that, you know, you hooked up with Bathsheba behind that man's back and, and you orchestrated his death. Okay, that's bad enough. But you gave the enemies, other people know this. And now they look at you when you want to, the next time you want to dance before the Lord and all your might, guess what they're going to say? You know, and then you cause them to sin, and this is all at your door. Yeah, but that verse that says, all things work together for good to him that loveth the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose, that still sticks in there. I love that verse, by the way. I love that verse. Uh, uh, and, and there's another there's another connection. <clears throat> Excuse me. The verse that said, "Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm." Okay. I love that whammy, verse too. <laughs> yeah, but see, in order for that verse to work, people have to attack you. Are you willing? Hey, brother to Andrew. Mhm. Good morning, Miss Didi. I was just trying to. It's an hour difference here. I was trying to jump in before this house wakes up, but thank you so, so much. Oh, like Moni said, you are an amazing teacher. I try to catch little bits and pieces because you give so much. But when you were talking about, you were talking about um, Jonah, you were just talking about all the different orders that were given, and because people want to do it their own way, you know, that happens a lot with us because we're not really following God's order, even though we know what his order is because he'll give it to us, but we want to do it our way because it feels better. And so as I was listening to you and then Mona, um, praying for you with the job and everybody else that has things that's going on work-related, um, me doing it 30 years with AT&T, and there were orders given that I may not want it to do. But see, when we, when we realize that humility plays a lot in it, and I'm just saying overall, not just with work stuff, but even in relationships and with our families. And being up here in Denver with my family, and just looking at how if 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 some humbleness wouldn't have happened, and some letting go of some pride stuff, and just really tapping into the order of forgiveness, um, it wouldn't be peaceful. So I hope that makes sense. What I'm saying, there's this. We have to realize that God wants us to really tap into him, his word. And in his word, it tells us that we have to be humble. We have to let go of pride. We have to really love love and we have to forgive. There's no way around forgiveness. So I got so much out of your share this morning. I was laying here so peaceful and quiet and listening to you teach. Like Moni said, your mother, oh my gosh, she was amazing because you and thank you for just starting this Saturday off for me with my family. Um, it's beautiful. Love you, sir. Thank you, Sister Didi. Thank you. Yeah, uh, my, my mom was, my mom would, would just break the lesson down to whomever, like, like so everybody that was under the sound of her voice got something. 
the little kids wouldn't miss anything and the older adults wouldn't feel that she was talking beneath them. And and she just did it with a poise that was, was, was just amazing. And both she and my father, every year I lived, they get wiser because they specifically put God first. And, and, and they didn't make it, they didn't make it stiff or starchy. It was just, this is what we do. You know, we're not, we're not trying to be better than the folks up the street. This is how we do it. No, they don't do it that way. We will. Why? Because I said so. You know, that's how it started. But then it became culture in the family. You know, what do we do? We pray before we eat. Why? Well, because we're asking God to bless the food. You know, that may be like being sanctimonious and whatnot, but look how many times you see that E. coli is in the food and you can't eat this lettuce because it's contaminated. But you didn't watch the news before you cooked. So you don't know there's anything wrong with it. The word says snakes biting you won't poison you. If you drink anything that's poisonous, it won't harm you. Okay? That'll cover the food because you bless the food. And I'm just goofy enough to, to, to believe that if I pray over my meal and I thank God for the money to get it, I thank God for the hand that prepared it, and I thank God that he kept his promise for this being my daily bread, it won't hurt me. Doesn't get any deeper than that. You know, and that's the beauty of, yeah, that's the beauty of, 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 of serving God. But the question is raised, are you willing to do what it takes to stay at his will? Because everybody loves the mountaintop experience, okay? But there are many mountains in our lives that will rise up where he just blesses us. You know, if we tithe, if we pray for our enemies as well as our friends so that people who don't know us all that well won't know who is what, what is who. They won't know who our enemies are based on what we do. They'll know who our enemies are based on what they do to us because we're keeping it on an even plane with everybody. We're loving everybody like we love ourselves. That means you're loving other children like you love your children. You're loving other parents like you love your parents. So that plumb line is straight all the way around. Then uh, what happens is you have to go through the valley to get to the next mountaintop. Are you willing to do that? You know, yeah, you were up on Sinai and and the spirit was 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 was, was touching and instructing and it was a beautiful experience. It lasted for days. Okay? But your next stop is Mount Nebo. That's about a hundred miles away. You willing to walk through that valley? It's a hundred miles of valley. A lot can happen in that valley. You could lose your job in that valley. You could have a bad prognosis from the doctor in that valley. You could go bankrupt in that valley. You know, you could have a house move next to you and they're selling drugs in that valley. You know, are, are you going to, are you going to, are you going to stay? You're going to move away. Okay. Cause where you're moving, they got that there too. You know, the people at work that, that bother you, 
to the point where you just need to go somewhere else, they have those same people somewhere else. So unless you work at home, you can't escape it. And then if you work at home, whatever you're doing, you're going to have to deal with clients who are just like those folks. You know? So where do you go? David said, if I make my bed in hell, you'll find me there. If I make my bed in heaven, you'll find me there. I can't get away from you. Why would I want to? You, I'm, I'm in, God tells us himself that he, his, his hands have our names graven in there. So somebody like got a chisel and a hammer and, and, and carved our names in his hands. So all he has to do is look down at his hand and he sees our name. Our prayers are sweet odors that the four and 20 elders have in their laps. And there's golden bowls. And so all he has to do is smell the air of his throne. And he remembers what we asked him or what others asked on our behalf. You know, it, 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 it's beautiful when when we cry out to him, he's like, yes, what do you need? And sometimes we just, sometimes he just will let us cry. It's like, yeah, I know it hurt. I know it hurt, but you're not to, to look with a scanned eye at my chastening hand. I don't want you to hurt like this. You need to listen to me the first time. You know, th- he's a loving God, but you also have to understand, you know, He's not just your heavenly father. He's also your king. He's also your chieftain. He's also your lawyer. He's also your doctor. Now, if your doctor tells you don't eat that, guess what? Don't eat that. You know, it's, 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 not, it's not that that's bad for everybody. He just doesn't want you eating it because it's not good for you. And if you eat it, Brother Andrew. Yes. Um, Hi, this is Prosperous Pam. Um, I just wanted to um, chime in and let you know that I appreciate this teaching too. And I've been on and off the call, but you had said something that like was a very, like a really special thing about Job when Job was going through when he was doing, his friends came and sat with him for seven days. I'm going to revisit Job because I always recalled them coming and telling them what they, what he shouldn't have done. So I need to go back and read that. But I went and looked, and it, it's that they sat with him seven days and seven nights. And I think that's the most beautiful thing people can do. A lot of times we think we need to say something or, you know, I don't know what to say. And a lot um, just being there, I just thought that was so special. I've mentioned that a few times, like a lot of times just being there as a friend versus having to say something. So just thank you for um, – sharing that part about Job and his friends and um, just appreciate your teaching. I wish I heard your mother teach. She's, I can um, tell that she was really blessed as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Pam. And I'm and, and sorry for me just prattling on, but yeah, yeah. the, like, uh, the book of Job is, 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 is must reading for us all because there's so much in there that people don't talk about. I mean, uh, Job lost everything and, and he kept that nobility about him. But then he started to, you know, like, wow, this is heavy. And I'm not getting any answers. And he, you know, his wife 
didn't even sympathize with him because everything he lost, she lost too. But he chose to stay on the Lord's side. And she was like, you still got your integrity? Just curse God and die. Well, why does she need that? Well, because with you dead, I'm free to go somewhere else. I don't want to live like this. This is not what, hey, this is, I did not sign up for this. And, 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 and that just inflicted more pain on him that the wife that he loved, you know, would, would just be snakish like that. I mean, at least like come, my friends are sitting with me. Where, where is she? You know, we, we just have that little snippet about the wife. She's nowhere else. And Job still had to, had to shoulder that burden. And but when you read his his book further, you see where he laments what has fallen. He says, "Look, I used to walk through town, and the old men would seek my wisdom. Okay, the young men would run from me, in you know, like in respect and fear. He's like, now nobody wants to be near me, and." The young men laugh at me, even the ones who weren't fit to feed my dogs. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know this was in here. <laughs> it's like, whoa, Job, Job is upset. And so it wasn't like, you know, he's sitting there on a, on a, on a pile of ashes, meek and mild. He's bumming. Who can blame him? You know, but, in, but when God starts yelling at him, when he shows up in a, in a tornado, the same time you know a tornado killed his children and god's coming in with that stark reminders like hey what are you talking about and then when job repents and he says you know like you know i repent in dust and ashes the bible just says god leaves that's it then god goes to the friend like you better have him pray for you and when they ask job to pray for him guess what job does Stop feeling pain and prays for him. And then the Bible says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. So God didn't move in on Job and his situation until he prayed for those, you know, blabby friends who just thought they were going to tell him, Job, before you die, you need to fess up. You know, because you need to repent of something. God told them, get him to intercede for you. And once Job interceded, God blessed Job. That's a lesson for us there, too, that no matter how much misery, no matter how much pain, what we can't do is secure ourselves from everybody else. Because we're not here for just us. We're here for others. So those four friends needed Job for their situation to get better. Because they could have sat with him seven days and then just left. It wouldn't have been complete. They could have stayed there and still, you know, chewed on his neck, saying like, come on, Joe, come on. Or they could have just been there waiting on him to die. Because we've never seen anybody this bad. Mm -mm, didn't happen that way. And when they saw Job, you know, prominent, prom prominent again, it was amazing. So yeah, there. Uh, when we when we respect 
God as, as, as sovereign as he is, everything else takes on a different perspective because, you know, nobody crosses God except us. The demons, they, you know, play it. God gave them some space and they're doing all the little stuff that they can do. But the more they do, the worse it's going to be for them. Because, and I'll, I'll say this and uh, I'll close. I used to tell, I, I, I would tell my sons when I was uh, teaching them that as soon as uh, Satan said, you know, I will rise up in the mount of the congregation. I will be as the most high. As soon as he likened himself to God's level, you go back into Revelation and you see where there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels, and no space was found in heaven for them anymore. But then Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall to the earth as lightning. So it was in my spiritual eye, as soon as Satan said, I will be like the most high, bam, he's gone. God didn't throw him out. The angels threw him out. But they threw him out that quickly. All one-third of him and the ones that left with him. And as soon as they, you know, hit the earth, you look out into whatever they can see on whatever plane they exist. There's something there that wasn't there before. And it's hell. Because God said hell was Jesus said hell was made for the devil and his angels. As long as the angels were in heaven, no need for hell. As soon as they got kicked out, we got hell. But hell is an interesting place in terms of it's got fire that gives off no light. Because without God, there is no light. There's just darkness. So there's black fire. And that's made for them, not us. So it behooves us to be mindful of those we love who don't know him and the ones that don't love us who don't know him because forever is a very long time to to be tortured. So if there be no other if there be no other questions, I thank you for allowing me audience this morning. Thank you for your comments and and your prayers. Uh, our God is good. And it would mean nothing else. I'll just close this out in prayer. Brother, I have a, yes, sir. Uh, how are you today, uh, Andrew? I um, truly enjoyed your message on today. It's uh, good to have you back aboard. Um, I really like how you explained about the chief, and you started out about the chief in the order of uh, how, you know, even when God is uh, sending out, uh, he sent out the leaders in the battle. So mm-hmm. remember, the battle is not ours, it's the Lord. And mm-hmm. just as you explained about Job, Job was the same way, you know, he had, you know, some situations realizing that, remember, the people rejected the cornerstone, which was uh, Jesus Christ. He was our chief cornerstone. And so I'm just grateful this morning that the teacher in you 
will activate the teacher and the others that are on the line as well as myself. Thank you so very much for uh, walking us through the scriptures and getting every point in on today. I'm sure there's others that have like questions that, you know, just uh, really uh, warm their hearts from this morning. Thank you again. Uh, this is uh, Geraldine. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Geraldine. Like I said, it, 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 it's a pleasure to, I, I, I love the word. I love the yeah. word because uh, like, like growing up, it was, it, I, I grew up in a little country church, but it was, it was uh, an amazing little church. The, uh, I don't want to call, it, it sounds bad when you call them the old folks, but the mature saints in the church really, really believed and supported the children. And so when you would toddle up there and answer questions about Jesus, they loved that. And, you know, your parents were psyched. You felt that, you know, you were learning something more about God because that would help you enjoy church more. You'd understand more about what the preacher was preaching about. And it was, it was just a great place to learn about God. I mean, when you walk through those doors, everybody loved you. You know, even the ones that didn't mask it well enough. And it, was, it just felt comfortable. And, and when, you, when you're uh, a, a teenager and you start going through those periods where, you know, you feel alone, like your, your friends at school are being stupid, you know, being in church felt good. But you were learning to run to the rock. You were learning that, you know, the Lord would be a covert against the wind. You know, he could block the wind for you like nobody else. He could feed you like nobody else. He could just soothe you like nobody else. But you learn that when you're little. That's why Jesus said, suffer the children and forbid them not. For such is the kingdom of heaven. When you hurt, you run to him. When you're happy, you run to him. When you're just chilling out, you thank him. You thank him for the peace. Because we as adults know that peace is hard to come by. And it's so expensive, you can't purchase it. You can only be given it. And there's only one person giving peace out. <laughs> and he's saying, serve me. But he also says, you have to humble yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. So every day... We're going to be crucified one way or another. So there's going to be pain. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be disappointment. People are going to hurt our feelings every day. And if you go through a day where you don't have that, you'll get it another day. But the beauty is that we can always still run to our king. And he gives us protection. He protects us in a way that you know, would scare us if we knew what the threats were. Thank God we can't see what's going on in the spirit world around it. But he does have our back. And that's the bottom line. Any any other comments or questions? This is it's been a joy to be before you today. Thank you for, for everything, making me feel welcome. It was a pleasure. 
Our Father, our God, our Creator, as we come before you this morning, Father, I want to thank you for the listeners. Father God, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak about your word, your holy word, your medicinal word, Father God, your saving word, your protective word. Thank you, Father, for for those that are on a call and had to go. Bless those that are still sleeping, Father. Let your word be around us, Father. Go before us and make easy our way. Father God, protect our loved ones, Father. Protect those we work with, Father, and those we work for, Father. Let your hand be upon them, Father, as we conduct your business, that you would be pleased at the end of the day with what we have done. Father God, bless us and keep us. Give us traveling grace and mercy. Give us sanctuary, Father. Give us compassion. These are the blessings we ask in Jesus' name. For his sake we pray. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Well, have a great weekend. Everyone have a blessed weekend. Yes, be blessed. Let be safe. Yes, you too. Be blessed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.